Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. Ernest, what's up? Look, I want to put you on to something that's been making waves in the personal finance world. If you've been relying on Mint to manage your finances, I got some news that might startle you at first. Mint is no more. But hold on, because every cloud has its silver lining. And in this case, that lining is Monarch Money. For those of us searching for a robust, user-friendly alternative, Monarch Money is stepping up to the plate. And from personal experience, it's hitting a home run. Let's get personal for a moment. Managing finances can be a maze of confusion, stress, and time consumption. Believe me, I've been there, jumping from one finance app to another, hoping to find that one platform that simplifies everything. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design transformed my approach to managing finances. What truly sets Monarch apart for me, though, is its collaboration feature. With money being a top Discord trigger for many couples, the ability to seamlessly manage finances with my wife has been a game changer. No extra costs, just shared goals and clarity. But Monarch isn't just about managing your current finances, it's about building your future. Saving for that dream house, your wedding, or a once in a lifetime vacation becomes not just a possibility, but a reality with Monarch's intuitive tools. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal held it as the best app for savings growth. Monarch Money represents the next evolution in personal finance apps. It's an ad-free haven where your experience is the priority, constantly refined based on real user feedback. It's everything we've been asking for, intuitive, powerful, and relentlessly focused on user satisfaction. Now, for a bit more practicality, Monarch makes transitioning from Mint a breeze ensuring you can bring all your tags and categories with you. It's intuitive design, customization options, and commitment to privacy and an ad-free experience make it stand out in the sea of competitors. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, 
the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click, absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long-term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. We have the honor of having a conversation with two of Baltimore's brightest entrepreneurs really killing the game, and um, they're also a couple as well. So this is going to be a very dope conversation about business, about family, about how to balance that um, and really growing different verticals, something that I think any entrepreneur needs to learn. Um, you can't rely just on one stream of income. That's extremely important. And you guys have built a very impressive portfolio for being here and joining us in this conversation. We'll go over, but um, first and foremost, thank you for being here and joining us in this conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And it means a lot, right? We, we talk about going back and giving back. The fact that we're here in Morgan, the fact that you're an alumni from Morgan, the fact that you got some business skills from here, it means that much, much, that much more that you're coming back and giving to the community that helped you with, with some of you. So clap it up for, for Chris for being back in, in the building. Thank you. So I want to I wanna just go over some companies that you guys have. So you have BTST Services, which is a mental health company. Right. You have Selfish, which is a beauty spa and event space. You have Carpe Diem, which is a management company that supports startups and small businesses. You have Outcrowd Restaurant Group, which is a company that develops and manages a chain of food and beverage and entertainment venues. You have Black Swan, a restaurant in Baltimore that's part of the group. You have Simon Enterprises, uh, an investment firm with business holdings in Carpe Diem. BTSD, and all of the other companies that you have. And then you also have the BTST Cares, which is a nonprofit organization that serves poverty-stricken individuals in the DMV area. So did I leave anything out? Maybe like 10. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting? Nah. Who's counting? So extremely impressive portfolio. We'll talk about each one of them individually. But um, just before we start, all of those businesses, all of those businesses doing well. Was this your plan from the beginning? Did you guys know that you were going to be successful entrepreneurs? Did you know that you was going to have multiple businesses up and running? Uh, I wanted to do something, and I knew I wanted to have impact. Uh, 
Would I think that, you know, we've been this diversified and this successful in, in operating these businesses? I would say no. Uh, we've been blessed to reach some phenomenal heights. And when I first started out, I mean, I probably only wanted to achieve a fraction of this. I think she saw more in me at the time than I did and saw more for us as well. So, um, you know, I think one thing leads to, a ne leads to the next. So I didn't go into it saying, hey, this is exactly what we want to do. This is how we want to create these businesses. This is what we want our portfolio to look like. Um, I think just continue to just connect yourselves with great individuals, put yourself in the right realms. I saw a video the other day where you was talking about exposure. And I think exposure, you know, has been great for me, you know, and, and for us continuing to, you know, when, we, when, you, when you're around certain things, now you can begin to normalize it. You can normalize it to know that you can achieve it. You know, like, I, 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 like Black Swan, a lot of people I know, uh, a few guys I know tried to open, had restaurants before, and I'm like, oh, this dude looks like me. He can do this. I know I can do this. Uh, not from a cocky perspective. I just like, I know I'm smart like he is or whatever else. So, and just people who throw on events and stuff like that. Um, and we was just talking with her dad. It's not just the exposure from the perspective of, hey, I can achieve this, but the exposure that now you know how to move in those rooms when you're there, right? You learn to get comfortable. You learn what the conversations are. You learn how people live and how they structure their lives and stuff like that. So I think just exposure helped create opportunities for us and kind of let us know what was possible. And then I think things just continue to happen from there. Would you say yeah. so? You said something very important. You said Janine saw something in you that you didn't see from the beginning. Before all the, some of those characteristics that you saw from the beginning, before all the success, before, I mean, during the t-shirt day, what did you see in them? And I guess vice versa, what you see in her and say like, this is going to be somebody that I can spend my life with, but this is also somebody that I can actually build business with. You can share. You can start at my incredible looks. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> my answer is totally different than his. I did not aspire to be an entrepreneur. I was not that kid like, oh, I want to own a business. No, I thought I was going to go to college, get a degree and get a nine to five. That was going to be my life. I was OK with it. And that was all I saw. But it wasn't until we met that I realized that he had a level of freedom that I didn't have. So I got up, I went to work every day, I'm slaving away at a desk, and he would call me from a golf course. <laughs> so that, it, that'll do it. it created a level of envy, it really did. And um, eventually over the years I left and came on board with him, but um, he also was one of the hardest working people that I had ever met. So that was what I saw, regardless if it was a small business, a medium-sized business, whatever it was, he would get up every day and, and go for it. And that was kind of what I saw that I, and I understood that he had a gift and I could trust that the businesses he was starting were going to be successful. That's sweet. You should say that. <laughs> so Chris, let me ask you this. We're at Morgan State. So can I, can I tell what I said? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want it to be one-sided. Uh. <laughs> I guess with her, you know, when we, 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 we were brought up like two different ways, but similar but two different ways. And so, you know, the way that she sees the world sometimes is opposed. It used to oppose sometimes the way I see the world. And some people can look at that and see like, oh, that's just, cre just great opposition. Like we there's great value in the way that she sees it's the same. We don't see eye to eye. But there's great value in the way that she sees the world. I may be a little bit more risky. She may be a little bit more conservative. 
and she kind of helps balance out that risk exposure, right? But even outside of that, she saw like that with the healthcare company, she was like, I, I only provided one small service of it, of, of the total portfolio, of the total company that we provide now. And for years, she was like, you should just go ahead and have, the, have your own clinic. You should do this. Why are you waiting on them for a referral? And I was comfortable. And I'm like, because I like this, you know, I'm do, I do well at what we do. And she, she sees the world differently. Um, so I admire that perspective in her and her, her structure and her order. You know, like, you, you, you need somebody that can see the world differently and, and, and provide great balance for that. You know, um, she was our first HR director. So when she left her job, she, I was upset that, she, like she said, that she was, uh, I was at work. I mean, I, was, I wanted to go on vacation, and she had to go work flex time and work extra hours. And I'm like, dude, this is killing our vacation. Like, I need, you just need to leave. Like, let's go. You can come here. I have a bunch of files in this file room. Come organize these. And so the company began to grow, and you got HR. But it really doesn't work when your wife is HR of your company. <laughs> nobody really has a safe space. And not that they needed one, but I'm just saying nobody had a safe space to complain. Um, so, and then she just continued to be a mom um, and then started her own stuff. So I just love the way that, you know, she sees it. It's frustrating at times, but I love the way that she sees the world differently than me. So we at Morgan State, and I know that there's at least a few students here. So I want to ask this question. Um, what are some important lessons you learned at Morgan State University's Graduate School of Social Work that you applied to BTST services? <laughs> Go Bears. Um, first thing I learned is that this <laughs> is <it's, yeah. laughs> bridge at Morgan where everybody hangs out at, and you just you know you just can't stay there for too long, or you wind up doing an extra year of college like I did. Um, a couple extra years. Who's counting? <laughs> See, this is the world. I'm looking at it optimistically, and she's looking at it very rationally right now. Um, but um, you know, when I was so my undergrad was in business, and my graduate degree was in social work. So I understood, I was able to learn how to market, right? I always, I had a few businesses before I came to Morgan. Um, but I was able to take this understanding of how to market and brand and formalize it into constructural business terms. Um, and then just learn, understand how business operates on a macro level. And then you mix that with the understanding of psychology and social work. So you understand human behavior. So now you understand human behavior and you match that with marketing. Now you can understand, you can create things that you understand how people respond to and what is their need. Their need to, is to be heard. Their need is to be, to feel, to feel uh, validated, to feel accepted and all of these other things. So then you create concepts and experiences that, you know, make people feel these ways. So that was one of the biggest things that I learned at Morgan and yeah. What are some of those, like, can you give an example of, like, something, because you're right, as far as the psychology, a lot of times people don't think psychology and business go hand in hand. Even when I was learning business sales, I learned a lot of things about psychology and the art of selling um, to get people to buy into things. So anything in particular that stands out that you learned that you carried over to business? I mean, I've, I learned this before Morgan. I used to work at a telemarketing firm, uh, MBNA, selling credit cards, and getting people give you a response. Um, and so when people give you a response, they told you how to cushion it. So be like, hey, I understand what we learn later learn is validation or affirming. Uh, so you, you, you provide them that statement. 
and then you cushion it and then you rebuttal. So you don't just take no for the answer. You're like, hey, I understand why you feel that way. However, you know, so making sure and just, you know, you really don't take no for an answer in that type of environment. So that's something that sticks with me. I, I always tell my son, like, no is not a no. You just haven't said the right thing yet or met the right person for it to become a yes. So that kind of sticks out to me. I'm thinking the year is 2008 and you're going into the mental health field, not the most popular field. At the time, most people are probably even thinking that this could be a lucrative field. Is the study of human behavior what made you feel so confident that this could be something, number one, that could change your community, and number two, we can build business around? So I would like to say that, but I started BTSC before I went back and got my master's in social work. So I, uh, I, well, I used to own a clothing store called C-Note, and so it was a, it's an urban clothing store. We designed our stuff, and we had a store for it. And, you know, it's a sales-driven business. So the first set of sales, and we were working with limited capital, so the first set of sales we would put back into our re-up and get a new merchandise. So I didn't get paid until, like, the third set of sales, and a lot of times those third set of sales never came. So I got a part-time job, and I was working at group homes, and I was working at overnight at uh, just uh, mentoring companies. So I kind of saw... I got my experience and my end to social work and working in these type of organizations there. And from there, I just developed a love for passion for helping and for and just like helping improve these individuals lives. But then I also saw a lot of the gaps in service delivery. And I was like, man, they're really doing these. We were just talking about this in the back. They weren't, you know, providing holistic, you know, what we were just talking about this in the back. They weren't providing, um, you know, uh, work, teaching them about how to manage money and stuff like that and uh, employment skills. Um, so I wanted to build a program that embodied those different characteristics, and that's kind of how I got into it. And then when I went back to social, my, my master's degree, I didn't even want to go back for my master's. One of my buddies was like, yo, you, you're nothing without those letters behind your name. And I'm just being arrogant. I'm like, I do better than the teachers. What am I going to go do? go back to school for or whatever? Just ignorance. And he was like, you're nothing without those letters behind your name. So I went back and got my license. And then doing that, I learned about that this isn't not just like a hustle. You're just not working with these individuals. You can really build a sustainable like, and like scalable business and really have tremendous impact throughout the community. So either one of you can answer this question. What's the business model for this? Like how do you actually make money from mental health services? I know you're not asking me, don't look at me. <laughs> Well, you, you should know, too, because you actually she actually worked in the billing department. It was just me and her I billing. Did, I did. We were a small business. When she had a baby, we were, we were in the hospital billing and everything else, like a few hours after she gave birth. So um, it, we, we definitely know the, how to build a part of it. But the way we, it's, it's so you provide needed services. It's, it's no different than you going to your doctor for a physical or you going to your um for uh, your, primary care. your primary care or OBGYN, right? They've been able to, or a company like Casa Permanente, right? They just created an ecosystem where, hey, we provide services that consumers need, right? So we provide therapy, we provide these other support services, we provide psychiatry, medication management. And for that, insurance companies pay us, right? So it's, 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 I guess it's just scale, you know? And we have, the better that we are able to do, you know? And we have, several facilities throughout the state of Maryland, and we provide telehealth, so we service basically the entire state of Maryland. So I guess we've just been able to build a uh, significant footprint that allow us to scale and just have a lot of individuals who patronize the business. 
but I think you also left out, we started off with children, right? And we were treating children that had, I guess they were mild diagnosis, right? But we started realizing that the PTSD and the ADHD was starting deeper than within those children, but it was coming from the home. So then we decided to treat the parents. And so then we grew to servicing adults as well. And then from there, it was almost as if every time we grew, it was because of a need that the community had, not necessarily something that we saw. Like you were talking about, just creating those verticals. So I have that we have this example like Disney World, right? You go to Disney World, you typically stay in a Disney park, you eat at a Disney restaurant, you go to a Disney park, you buy Disney merch, all of that other stuff. They created an entire ecosystem that wraps you up in Disney related stuff. We want our client to come to us and get total care. So if you come for us for, uh, you, you were, you know, maybe just hyperactive in school, um, so, hey, you ref they refer to us for a diagnosis, I mean, refer to us for an evaluation. We complete that evaluation, and from there, we identify that they need therapy. And then from there, therapy is not enough to maintain, so we want to, you know, give them a, you know, you want to engage the psychiatrist for medication management. And then we have support services associated with that. And then we have, you know, SUD, because uh, substance abuse is a, is a major problem as well that it co runs concurrently with uh, mental health. So we created this whole ecosystem of those things. And then some of your other clients also need places to live so then you can create housing opportunities and stuff like that. So you just build a whole ecosystem. And it's not from like a capitalistic perspective, it's from a need perspective. And if you, because in mental health, is that people run, and a lot of problem with social workers and mental health is that people do stuff because they love the work that they do, but then they don't have the business acumen behind it. So you get a lot of passionate people and they would, they would operate in a deficit if, if it was up to them because they just love the work that they do. And my partner Jada always says that the two doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. You can do great work and then and be also run a successful business as well. So, you know, that's kind of like, our, you know, how our business model works. Yeah, you, you brought up Disney and part of our conversation backstage was if you go to Disney World, the chance of you seeing Bob Iger probably slim, right? You're not going to see the CEO there. And a lot of times in our communities, when we create businesses, we create them because we like them, but we become employees to the business. So talk about scaling your business, but having systems in place that they can run where you don't have to necessarily be there every day on the clock. So the term we coined is sustainable systems, right? Sustainable, and, replicatable systems. Sorry, sustainable and replicatable okay, systems. Um, and the reason why is because the goal is not to be a slave to your business. The goal is to be able to create the business, make it operable, hire people that can now run the business that you've created, and now you're able to move on to something else. If you're in there every day, you, it's hard to see the... You, it's hard for you to focus on everything that the business needs because you're in the middle of it, in the mud, doing it every day. You can't necessarily come up with the marketing plans or the, the business plan or learn how to grow the business if you're basically just operating it day to day. So what we like to do is create systems that we can now write, write up, train someone to do them, hand it off to them, and now they're able to go off and, and do that. Well, even things that we don't have to write up. It's funny, people, some people are like, Janine, what do you do? Like, you, you, I don't want to work in the business. I don't want to. She's like, I invest. I invest. I don't want to work in the business. I don't want to be the chef. I don't want to be the GM. I'll invest in the business. I'll help with creative concept. I'll help get it there. We'll interview the correct people and put them in place. But the best thing you need to do is, is I don't want to create the policy. You know, I don't have a formal background in each business that we own. You want to hire the individuals who have 
that knowledge, who are smarter than you, create a team that people sometimes think that when you hire smarter people in these respective fields that they're competition, that, they're, that you should be intimidated. It's like, no, I, I know what I want to create. Here's the vision. How do we do this? Let's bring this to market. How do, how, do, how, do we, how do we make this happen? How do we make this experience? And then we'll chime in high level uh, about, you know, uh, feedback and stuff like that of what we want to see from it. Um, so she's a little bit more hands off. I'm managing some of the managers at some point through like our, you know, our KPI meetings or whatever else like that. Just a quick follow up. So when we're talking about scale, you said that you've moved throughout the state. When do you know it's the appropriate time to now have multiple locations? Because that's something when we're in our business. It's like, yeah, we're doing great here, but we want to test the waters and see how far it reaches. How do you figure that part out? I want to answer that by going back to the question that you asked at first. I think what we have to do as a community, we look at, hey, we, I'm, a, I'm a baker, so I want to start a bakery, right? We got to get used to owning businesses that we don't operate and that are in fields that we have no experience in, right? Because the goal isn't to be a slave to the business. You, you have the idea and you want to build it. And if, you, if it's just you, how many cakes can you bake? So how, many, how can you scale that, right? Uh, so what we've been able to do is it's, just, it's been a blessing that we've been able to scale because the need, we, the, meet, the need calls us, right? So before we go open an office in a specific location, we've already have referral sources there. We've already been working in that area in some sort. So us open an office is just a form of say. It's like we like to go with a demand being there. But we, what I like to say is like we like to go where the demand is and where the resources are. Because like, you can have a demand and then not have the staff. We had that in, in Cecil County. We had a great demand. People were saying, come out here. There's no other organizations out here. We're like, perfect. We got out there. The workforce wasn't there. So there was a reason why people weren't out there, right? So where the, where the, where the, where the demand and where the resources intersect is where we like to be. Um, and, um, but... You have to create systems that are, and it's so funny that uh, when uh, my partner Jada, she had joined us when we were just, when we were scaling the clinic, right? And she was like, we have to, I had paid disparities. Somebody in PG got paid this thing. Somebody in Baltimore got paid this thing. We had no vacation policy. The policy was just go whenever you want. Just don't be abusive or whatever else. She was like, no, we have to have the same policy everywhere. The people's role have to be the same. The pay has to be the same, everything. So that's creating a system, right? And then how do we manage these companies in other areas? We have to have touch points, right? We have to have uh, dashboards and touch points. We have to have these, these different meetings that allow us to touch in, but without actually being there, you know? So, um, but in your payroll system, just different things like payroll, right? Making sure that people are put in the right way. Make sure that, yo, how are we, how are we running payroll? Let's do it. This way, whether this is a small business or whether this is a corporation, because we know we want to scale up to that. Like right now, Black Swan has more employees than it needs, and it has a very overwhelming management system. But we're not building this for one Black Swan. We're building this for eight Black Swans. So it may seem OD to people who are in the restaurant industry now, but when we're eight restaurants in, they already have that rhythm, and we'll be able to run to the next thing. So... The healthcare business in America, as far as it's the largest business in America, as far as expenditures, federal government, I think it's like 35% of the budget, more money spent on healthcare than, than the military. Um, and most people, when you think about healthcare, you think about, you know, doctors and disease and surgery, but mental health is a, is a very big part of it. And it's unfortunately, 
getting bigger and bigger. So the business is actually a pretty brilliant idea, but it seems costly to start. How, what was the startup cost? And like for anybody that's looking to get into the space, what do they need? Like what certificates, what certifications, what do you need to actually get into the space that you guys are in? So to your point, behavioral health is something that is like, it's growing substantially. Like, well, it's, it's a good and a bad thing. The need for behavioral health has grown, which is a sad thing because, you know, people are dealing with a lot of traumas and a lot of uh, disorders. And people have been dealing with these things previously. It's just that now they understand what they're dealing with. So imagine you've been struggling with something and there was no doctor, there was nobody that could speak to you about what you're going through. If I, if I hurt my leg, I know I can go to an orthopedic or something like that and they could tell me what I'm going through, right? But I know I'm feeling, flut I'm feeling fluttered and I'm feeling nervous and I don't, you know, some people might not know that, that label that is anxiety, right? I mean, obviously there's other diagnostic criteria associated with that, but uh, so now it's great that the market is growing, there's awareness around that and that there is even more of awareness growing, especially in the urban communities because for years we've suffered in silence. Right, we've dealt we've dealt with you know trauma from murders and all this other stuff. We suffered in silence, but now there's an awareness growing for it, and there's a market firms of like for us, the big businesses are seeing this. Private equity firms of like for us, like our company was just acquired by a private equity firm, Webster Webster Equity Partners. Thank you, and so they two people clapped. Thank you. <laughs> this is the first time we actually announced Congratulations. that. Congratulations. Thank you. But we were acquired. I mean, we're still we're still uh, uh, part owners in it as well. But they wanted to, they believed in what we are doing. Like these are bankers who have no aspiration to be service providers, but they know that this is a hot market right now. And what they saw in us was that hey, you have this great platform. You built this great business. What do you need to continue to expand throughout Maryland, neighboring states across the country? One of the biggest things we need is access to capital. So now that Webster has a fund of almost $2 billion that they've raised that we have access to to continue to do more of what we do, but then buy other companies throughout the state of Maryland, companies who are already existing, doing great work that, you know, may be looking to expand, maybe looking for an exit strategy and stuff like that, or just who never thought about selling their stuff because there's strength in numbers. If, and, and the best thing about M&A process, and especially when you roll equity in, is that I get the, I benefit from your success and you benefit from my success. So we want to continue to work together. So it's like, hey, five or six of us, we're doing well individually. I was watching Mike, Mike Szczeski. He was saying, if you punch somebody like this, it doesn't hurt, right? You'll wind up hurting yourself. But if you punch somebody like this with five fingers put together, you're going to have more of an impact. So just think about the amount of impact that we can have in these communities if we can come together and form these bigger organizations. Um, but if you're looking to get started, obviously there's a totally different process than that. I'm fi we're 15 years in. Um, you, in. In Maryland, you got to go through like Maryland Medicaid. You got to be a Medicaid provider. You got to go through CARF, get your CARF accreditation. Like this isn't just something where I wake up and say stuff like that, right? Or Big Brother program. I want to work with adults. I want to, you know, they have YMCA's for stuff like that, right? Or Big Brother programs. This is we're treating people's mental health. So this is a very serious thing. You know, I see some programs people are just like you know, playing basketball. And, it's, and, it, and it, if there's a treatment model associated with that, then that's perfect, you know? But some people are just doing other things that aren't really clinically sound. So when people are getting into this, you have to first make sure that you're getting into this from a clinically sound perspective. As it relates to startup costs, 
I mean, if you're starting a PRP, if you're starting a clinic, or you're starting a sub program, I'll, I'll give Janine her credit this. I had, I had BTSD, we were a mentoring program. We were trying to get into becoming a Medicaid provider and providing more services. And I had contracts that weren't paying me. I wasn't keeping proper AR reports and stuff like this. I just knew they owed me money. And I needed to expand into this uh, healthcare thing. And they needed, you know, I think I needed, I can't remember how much, but Janine liquidated her 401k. It's beautiful. She liquidated her. I see a real one. I almost got choked up just now. <laughs> think about it. But she liquidated her 401k, gave me $11,000. And she was like, yo. My parents don't know this. You just announced it to the world. You say what? My parents don't know that. Oh, well. <laughs> they should be happy. <laughs> it's been replenished. <laughs> we you, replenished it. So she, she was like one of our my first, like, maybe only investor, you know, and, and BTST. She invested 11 grand, got her. And this was within months of uh, dating. So, you know, I was real. No, we were married. <laughs> we were married, yes. Uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> that uh-uh. I don't like you like that. No. It, it might have, well, I think we, we were married, but, and she was at her job. She was like, yo, listen. That's I'm a big difference money. between months and dating and marriage. That is a big difference. I, know. I had y'all here looking like Tenderless Swindler. <laughs> like I just finessed you. <laughs> Two days is all it took. <laughs> Two lines. Don't, yes. Oh, you okay, by the way. <laughs> That's a new line. Don't, yes. Oh, you really love me? If you really, if you really love me, liquidate that 401k. Liquidate that 401k. Liquidate that for me real quick. Yeah, Show I, me it's real. That's not what happened. I would not recommend that to anyone's daughter. But no. I know it was, it was scary for you, though, regardless of being married or not. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional cost. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EarnYourLeisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Earn Your Leisure. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at LittletonCoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at LittletonCoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It was scary and she gave it to me and we were now able to become a, we had the capital, we had mixed with, we had our capital that they needed to see. And then when we decided to advance to a clinic, you know, that was a whole different story about how that needed to go. But, you know, I would say you can get in it pretty reasonably, you know, $50,000 or less, you know, depending on the size of your program, how robust you're trying to be or whatever, you know, I would say that, but outside of that, one thing I would like for people to understand is that, you know, it's good to use our own money, but if we can use other people's money, that is excellent. So if you can build lines of credit, uh, work a, a great banking relationship with someone so that you can kind of expedite that growth. Because for years, I, we got our first line of credit in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic. I still don't know how we got a line of credit in the pandemic. Um, well, actually, I do know because they've changed healthcare providers and they owed us a crap, a lot of money. And so we finally had an AR report. But there was months... I mean, when, we, when she had our son, we were growing our program. Another company tried to take us out. And so we had to, like, start another office and another office. And we had to come on, Jada join. And we literally went months without being paid. Like, we, we, we made this total investment into the program. We drained our complete savings. I mean, we were, like... Get in there. We were getting, it was about to get bad, right? She was thinking like, yo, this might not have been the greatest decision now. <laughs> but uh, we went months without being paid. But if we had a line of credit, we could have still grow and not have to worry about not paying ourselves. So if the faster it is initially, working capital and stuff like that, the better it is initially. Yeah, that, needs having flashbacks. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you went from one employee and we talked about not becoming a slave to the business to 300 employees. What's that? I mean, especially in our community, the retention process, right? We've talked about this, trying to hire the right people and trying to give back to the community and making sure that, you know, we're giving opportunities to people that look like us. What, what is that like for your business? Obviously going from one to 300, the retention process. Um, it depends on which business we're speaking of, right? Yeah. Because... What what day to day looks like at BTST is completely different than what the data looks like at Selfish Beauty. Our clients, not our clients, I'm sorry, our employees, we have we try to keep happy um, by, by their commission. Honestly, um, their commission base, and they are technically 1099 employees, so they like to feel like they're self-employed and they're not employees of us. When at the end of the day, they're still under the same umbrella, but we. We always treat everyone with respect. We try to be really nice. We know that the field that we're in, which is the beauty industry, you could go anywhere. You could work anywhere. You could go to a suite. You could leave us at any moment. So we try to create more of a family culture. We are all a big family. We look out for each other. And we know that, yeah, we could go anywhere else, but we're happy here. 
So that's kind of the culture that we create at Selfish, but BTST, I guess it's similar. Why would we even say at Selfish? Is it, it, it's, it's, diff it's, it's tough still, retention is tough, because while the pandemic, you know, it put a lot of people out of work, but it also motivated and created a bunch of entrepreneurs at the same time, right? And uh, definitely a lot of work from home people. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get people to come in office or retention. You got to be flexible, first of all, right? Yeah. Because some people just don't want to come back in. But in, that, but in that entrepreneurship mentality, people are like, hey, I can be an entrepreneur. I've taken this and exaggerated it, right? People are like, hey, I can be an entrepreneur. I can be a nail tech. I can go open my own suite. You can, but can you generate your own referrals as well? Because what you try to do is take our clients and go open your own. That's not true entrepreneurship in this, in this case. And then they put CEO in front of their name. Exactly. So retention is hard, especially when people have all of these options, which is great. Optionality is great. Entrepreneurship is great. Like we're just preaching like, hey, you don't might not want to be a slave to that job, right? But it also creates a, a vulnerability in the market of like hiring and maintaining people. So what you have to do, like she was saying, is create a great environment where people feel valued, they feel respected, and that one, that they feel compensated appropriately for their job, but they also believe in the mission and what you're doing, right? So a lot of the staff we have, they, they will run through a wall for BTSD or even Black Swan, right? So they, they believe that Black Swan, we had people, you know, we never, Black Swan was set up where it was just, hey, for everybody, right? And it was urban, but it was for everybody. I guess people thought Black Swan meant Black, black swan, right? So they're like, yo, everybody that we hired was all black, right? I mean, all shades of black, all styles of black, everything, right? And so, um, but, but after, but, but, but they, what they believe, but the reason why that was is because they believe like, yo, this is a black owned restaurant in Harbor East. They embody in the culture. It's elevated. It's still sophisticated. I want to be a part of that. People like, man, there's three beautiful women that are running selfish beauty. They're, they're cool. They're business women. They're successful. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that environment. And the same thing with BTS. They believe in the work that we're doing and the commitment that we have to these communities, and they really want to be a part of that as well. But I would say you got to stay flexible and create these work environments. Okay, we know that that's the threat. So how do we create these work environments that make people feel as independent as possible but still provide the guardrails and the support? Selfish. Uh, institution. So I want to talk about selfish. Um, completely different business from mental health space where you're in a beauty spa event space right so how does that idea come about and was there any hesitation in doing too many different things at one time so let me start by I guess reverse engineering this before I left my my job and went to BTST, I had done a multitude of things. I had worked in healthcare for um, a health insurance company. Then I left that and went to um, Social Buy. Security. I did work at Best Buy as well. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to- But Social I want to shout out for the Best Buy. She was working at the, at, the, at the healthcare company at Best Buy and getting a graduate degree and being pregnant at the same time. Yeah, I did all the same time. <laughs> Thanks. Um, a lot of reward points for that. <laughs> But and you made a cash out of four hundred one k. I know, right? <laughs> what, a, what kind of man are you? What a guy! I saw those multiple sources of income. I'm like, gotta, <laughs> got him. But you talk about climbing the ladder. That was literally the definition of climbing the ladder. I was just doing whatever I could to get whatever experience I could. And at the time, honestly, when I was working for Blue Cross Blue Shield, they were paying for me to be in grad school, so it all just made sense. So needless to say, I picked up a lot of skill sets in each one of those jobs that I needed to further me 
on where I was going to ultimately end up, but I had no idea. I was just doing what I thought was best. So then you fast forward to me leaving Social Security and coming on the BTST. Well, the only reason why I knew how to do HR and human resources things was because when I worked at um, Care First, I was in marketing, but they also had me doing a lot of data entry things with people's information, and I, and I kind of learned how to process it. So needless to say, I kind of just picked up all of it, and I continued to just add from the different careers that I had, and I continued to just add it to my, my resume. So now I, I, I'm at BTST, I'm doing HR, and clearly, like he said, you can't be the owner's wife and be HR. And then as we were growing, it was just too many employees for me to honestly handle. So once I had our second son, I just kind of took some time off. And during that time off, I was able to kind of like develop my own ideas and identity and things that I really liked for myself. And I realized that beauty was one of them. So I kind of reached out to two of my friends and the three of us agreed that there was a need for more of the spa salon feel. A lot of people were going to suites and that just wasn't what we grew up knowing, right? Like we wanted a one-stop shop where you could come and get your nails done, get your lashes done, get a facial, get your hair done. You could do it all and in the same spot, but enjoy it while you were there. You can have a drink, you can do your work, you can literally make a day of it. And it's beautiful, yes. It has art installations, and it's a beautiful place. You come just to come see it. But that was the actual main motivating driving force behind it, like wanting to create a place that we personally would have wanted to go to. Um, and as far as knowing if we could do it, we had our doubts. We were definitely nervous. We were scared. We don't provide services at all, neither one of us. None, none of us. Like, we don't do hair. We don't do a nail, nothing. So it definitely was a matter of encouraging people to believe enough in us to work for us. And that probably was the most difficult part, but they did. And then once we hit the ground running, we, it kind of was a go from there. Now we had a hiccup because we had only been open for three months and COVID hit. So then we had to close, but it ended up being a blessing for us because it gave us a chance to figure out our pivots, things that may have not worked the first three months we were open or and recalibrate and figure it out. It's a change. Now we had six months to sit back and recalibrate and figure it out. So then we opened up and when we, I mean, we reopened and when we reopened, we had zero staff. We had lost everyone because they got PPP loans and they were doing nails and God knows where at this point. Um, and so we had to start all over again, but it, it just gave us more grind and grit and we kind of figured it out. Chris, as I'm listening to the story of Selfish, I wrote down the quote, not only do we treat your exterior, but we feed your interior. And when I hear that, I, I, I think mental health, right? I, it's self-care, like that's part of mental health. And so as the idea is coming about and you're seeing it and you, and you start the business, are you looking at this like, this is another value add inside of the first system that I created? Yeah, so I thought that investing in that business would be cheaper than her continuing to get these services a la carte elsewhere. And it, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it really wasn't. But no, so selfish, like we were, they were thinking about the name, it was like selfish. And I was, we were like selfish, and I was like, yo, that's perfect, like, because you need to own that it's okay to be selfish. That's one of the taglines, like it's okay, like we, women sometimes sacrifice themselves to give to everybody else. They put their mask on last on a plane and everything else like that, and never make time for themselves. So it's like, it's okay to be selfish. And then so while they were doing it, I'm like, we should add a mental health component to this because we have this lounge and, and selfish. So we started getting mental health professionals who did like um, something Tuesdays. 
Um, it was called self care. I don't remember I, what it was called. It was on a Tuesday. We had to stop when COVID yeah, hit. Yep. And people would come, and these women who came for all of this beauty stuff, it was like, yes, you're you're looking good on the outside, but how do we also treat that inside as well? And so people would come to these different panels um, and just hear these conversations and just leave fuller, you know, inside and outside. So, so what's the stations all throughout that to have? a chain of locations all throughout, you know, America. Like, what's your, your vision for that? Honestly, <laughs> we would love to have more, and that is the goal, to open more in different locations in different states. But employing staffing is hard. It really is hard. And so while we're here and in Baltimore and we have a good thing going, we're kind of just trying to put all of our focus and emphasis into that one. And at some point, we'll open another location, another state. But when we feel like the time is right and when we feel like we have found the, the staff that we can hire, because clientele isn't really our issue. It's making sure that we have technicians that can service the clients. You were going to say something? Well, uh, to your point, I th like you, you asked, how do you know when you're ready to scale, right? You got to make sure you have those operating systems in place first, right? So... If we know, hey, we're a little deficient in this area, our ordering is this, or our, our pay rates are this, or our turnover is this, we might not be ready to scale yet because we got to get this one together. Like, people love Black Swan. They were like, hey, you guys need to take Black Swan somewhere else. And I'm like, we're probably about three months out right now of where we need to be finalizing our systems, looking at our financial reports, all of that other stuff, getting our labor costs down to be able to scale. So I think to Janine's point, once they continue to tighten those screws because people just want to run, and Instagram make people want to run because they want to be seen and give the appearance that they're doing something. But you need to make sure that when you that you that you have this foundation and that you have the footings, not just the foundation, because the footings go below the foundation. That you have these footings in place that allow you to build this, you know, this this high rise that you're attempting to build. So who's running the day to day operations of the spa? Me. That's a lie. I don't even know the last time he has stepped foot in the spa. Um, actually, the three of us split everything evenly, but anything as far as their license, more HR, um, compliance, anything as far as their licensing or just managing the people, right? And then my partner, Kelly, is the money girl. She handles all of our bookkeeping and the pay, well, I do payroll, but she had like the register and she also does a lot of our marketing. And then Keisha, who is our third partner, does like systems. She does ordering. She does our booking system. Anything that's like our computer data and everything else needs to be done. But the three of us have three very different skill sets, and it makes one collective perfect person. Like if you could put the three of us into one person, we would be. It's Voltron. I think that's important what yeah. she's saying, and for everybody out there, is you can't be afraid of partnerships, right? A lot of people want to do it all on their own or they get into partnerships, but the wrong partnerships. You gotta get into partnerships where there's, where you guys benefit each other, where you're the yin to the other person's yang, right? Where, hey, I might be good at marketing, but somebody is better at operation, or this person can do this and they can do this, because the goal in partnership, whether it's marriage or anything else, is to lighten each other load, right? Correct. To make that, so I can benefit from your skill set, you can benefit from my skill set, and you don't have to do everything. And when stuff hit the fan, we could do a capital raise together and it's not all coming out of my pocket, right? <laughs> so partnership, you're sharing the highs, you're sharing the lows, but you also work to reduce the burden. So partnership is a great thing. Speaking of partnership and being that you're inside of the, the mental health space with the, with the spa, Selfish, and obviously with, with BTST, 
how do you ensure yours, right? Because you're adding a lot to your plate. There's, there's parents. There's obviously the relationship that you have as a couple. How do you ensure that you're making sure that your mental health is, is where it needs to be so that you can function at a high level? Therapy. We, we've been in therapy for God knows, what, 10 years? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not always because there's a problem. We, that we lessen the problems or, don't, or we end together. And it's to ensure that we lessen the problems or, don't, or we run into as least amount of problems as we can because without it, it's us trying to figure it out on our own. And to add, he's a licensed therapist and he tries to do therapy on me. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're a non-compliant client. It's not my skill set. It's just that you're a tough client for anybody. But, and, it, and it's hard. And when you're a therapist, you're not, it's a certain code of ethics. You're not supposed to, like, sleep with the person that you're doing therapy with. So, you know, I kind of jacked that up. But, uh, but I would say... Um, like she said, as a, as a licensed therapist, one of the things they tell you when you're in school is that before you do therapy, you need to sit in the chair of a client and make sure that you receive therapy so that you understand the process and the vulnerability associated with it. But in addition to that, when I was talking about that balance, I'm run, 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 run. Like at work, we created this, 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 this program, this, the way we evaluate opportunities, right? We call it like incubation. And incubation stage, you can just think as much as you want. You can create as much as you want. And there's no limits. Janine used to limit me in my incubation stage, right? So we were like, hey, you got to let Chris think, right? Um, and then you have um, operational stage. Operational stage is when we, we, talk, we really work through the nuts and bolts of these ideas. We try to bring them down and say, is this a real opportunity? What does this look like? Is this a win? Is this a loss? How does this look? And then if we decide to go forward, so we will say no to it at that point, or we decide to go forward. And if we decide to go forward, it's called implementation. So then we implement another idea, uh, and then we're going to evaluation is the last stage, right? So then we're evaluating for us to create this idea, for, for us to do that, what was the win and what did we lose for gaining that win? Because even when you're winning, you're, gaining, you're losing something. To do, to do a big event or something, we might have spent a lot of time, a lot of money, this thing, something they could have been doing micro-marketing. We lose, we lost, we took our marketing team off of this thing, something they could have been doing micro-marketing on because we're doing this macro-marketing. Um, but... Um, I'm sorry, where was I going with that? You were talking about our mental health. and like. Oh, that. yes. So I like to run. I'm in that incubation stage a lot. And where Janine is like, Chris, I'm not signing up for another thing else right now. We're trying to get this family in order. We're trying to do that. And then she'll plan three vacations for us to go on. <laughs> but she's like, hey, we need to slow our life down, right? So it's that yin and yang where I'm like running like, oh, no, this would be a dope idea. This would be great, great, great. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yo, you're not hearing me. No, you're really not listening. Like, yo, this is great. Come on, let's go. Why aren't you excited? Because she's like, uh, because I see you getting burnt out. I see you getting overwhelmed. I see you getting frustrated. I see you not being here. I see, you know, me having to do this. I see all of these other things. I see the investment. I see all of this. So let's kind of balance this out a little bit. So to help my mental health, like that yin to the yang, she's like, slow down. Let's eat what's on our plate first, and then let's think about how, to, how we want to move forward. Stop it up with Janine. So before we leave, we definitely got to talk about the restaurant. So you go into the restaurant business, which is probably the hardest business to be successful in, extremely difficult, and you already have all the other stuff that you're managing. What it, what's the inspiration for opening a restaurant? So a part of these vacations that she picked there and all these random places throughout the world, and so we would go across the country, all over, and get these great dining experiences, right? 
And then we would come back to Baltimore on, with energy, like, yo, let's go. Let's keep this going. We just got home. Let's go hit another restaurant. And then the dining experience just is what the dining scene wasn't what we were getting in other places. Now, Baltimore has a great dining experience. It's great food and everything else. But it wasn't that energy that I was like that or Matting Dong or Tell or I was getting that towel or somewhere else like that or Matting Dong or something, right? So it wasn't this, this, just this, this metropolitan trendy energy, right? Where music, fashion, and food connected, right? Um, so I would just get frustrated. I'll be at restaurants. We'd be, I'd be like, Janine, look at this light fixture. They could have did this and it'd have been cooler. Listen to this playlist. If they'd have put, if they'd have put, you know, Shaka Khan on, I guarantee you sales at the bar would go up by this percentage and everything else. Can y'all imagine literally thinking you're going to dinner and this man is ripping this restaurant to shreds? I literally went to one of the owners. I said, play this playlist and let me know if sales go up. Just eat your truffle fries, Chris. <laughs> I said, I said, play this playlist. Let me know if sales go up. I guarantee you he ain't played that other playlist since. It was um, Charles and Citron. And then so... I just started connecting with other restaurateurs and I'm just like, hey, why don't you guys do it like this? How do you do it like this? What's the passion? How does this work? So just putting myself in an in a, in a, in a educational phase of meeting the people, understanding the field a little bit more before I was in there, just preparing myself for the opportunity whenever I wanted it to. And then one of my buddies called me one day and said, hey, Chris, this restaurant is going out of business. I think that we could do this. You can come and decorate it however you want. You can have the light fixture that you want and everything else, and you know, I'll do the food. But then the pandemic happened, and he had a, other, a few other investments that he, of restaurants that he wanted to make sure, but it was perfect because I was able to find our chef, Chef Sayon Bryce, and have him, if y'all know Chef, y'all better make some noise for his lamb chops. <laughs> Thank you. And so, um, you know, uh, we were able, it just, the opportunity, I was ready for the opportunity. I had already talked to the people. I understood how this worked and everything else. But again, I have my partners, right? So my partner, Jada and Chris, Chris was managing partner and who have like several years. And then you bring in uh, Keisha and Jameer who have like a different perspective and who are just like, um, just uh, have high level relationships or whatever. So we decided we were gonna start this restaurant. It was just, you know, and we had prepared ourselves. So I think, just putting yourselves in those runs before you're ready to be there. You know, you don't have to feel insecure. Start learning to, start learning the field, doing your research and everything else like that. And so like Janine said, Janine was very meticulous on the cocktail menu. We sat with Chef, we went over the food. He said this, we was like, no, nah, we're gonna do it like this. Let's, how do we bring these two together or whatever else like this? Cause Chef cooks up here. And I'm like, Chef, we have to bring the menu down here to make sure that it's palatable and that it's consumable and that people feel like they can eat there three, four days a week if they desire. And so we were able to create that, and then we put the right management system team in place. But I won't sell you any dreams and say, hey, we just turned it over to the management team. Three months after that, we lost our GM. And the first night in the restaurant, Janine, me and Janine both trying to touch tables, run help with reservations. It was a, it was a madhouse because, I mean, it sold out in the first 30 minutes for three months. It was just a madhouse. Uh, we had to turn away the owner of the Washington Nationals. It was so bad. Well, how did, why, why? Why was it so successful so early? I think marketing. Marketing. It was that understanding of human behavior and marketing. Our rollout was incredible. We sent black boxes with black champagne flutes, champagne, an invitation. Say, so you're invited to this black swan. I mean, we had Baltimore's who's who there. People came from out of town. And we had, there. what, three grand opening events? Yeah, we had several grand opening events. Like, the anticipation was there. And we start a lot of businesses, not 
out of trying to fill a void, right? People asked me before, like, how do you, why do you start these buildings? It's like healthcare, we wanted to fill a void in the healthcare thing. Beauty wanted to fill create a void where, and, where black people, all of this. And then restaurant, where and they could see technicians that look like them and it's not all of this. And then restaurant, there was nobody providing that style of dining, right? So I think that people were just so excited to have a style of dining like this that was also sophisticated. Um, and everybody just signed up, man, to come out. And the food, and the food is amazing. But I don't want to make it seem like it was all unicorns and rainbows because he dragged me into the restaurant business, kicking and screaming. I wanted no parts of opening a restaurant. But, you know, as the, as the ball got rolling, I started really, like, saying that there was a vision for this and it was okay and there was a need and it was going to be good. And it turned out to be amazing, but... I didn't see the vision at first for that one. It's that a one. risk. My father. It was a huge risk. My father used to own a West Side Carryout, and I saw the lows of this man. I saw him and his partners fighting. He's making food. They're not using proper purveyors and all that other stuff. They're going to the grocery store and everything. So I've seen the ills of it, man. And honestly, we've just been blessed, man. We've been blessed by the support of everybody that comes out all the time. People just advocate. People speak about Black Swan, they put us in the rums. We, we catered to Preakness. We were one of the caters for the Preakness. They put us in the hospitality tents for all our, like, the, the very expensive tents at the finish line. That's because somebody else was in a rum and they put us in that rum verbally, right? And they advocated that. Shalanda, Robin, they was like, hey, we need more representation of like us. And so we're going to advocate and put you in that rum. So I wish, it's, it's, it's a community, man. It's not just us. That's incredible. So the, the obvious question now is, what are the growth goals for Black Swan? I mean, are we figuring that, yes, we got Harbor East, but maybe we expand some other places? Yeah, so again, it's outcrowd, right? So Black Swan is one concept of outcrowd. So we want to take Black Swan, D.C., Atlanta, the concepts that we're opening, right? I really want to see it in L.A. Um, but then we have other concepts that we're opening, right? We're, under some, we're, we're negotiating some LOIs right now to bring a concept to market by the end of the year. Uh, we have a few others, so just continue to just, you don't make, you know, you don't, you don't do just phenomenally great in one restaurant, right? You need to have scale to, pennies need to add up to make some dollars in restaurants, right? So you need to have multiple of them, but continue to use Black Swan as a vehicle. So many people come through there, and people, for some reason, they feel like if you know food and you can create an environment, you must know great business, and I'm like, that's not most restaurants, people, you know, like most restaurants go out of business in six months and we just celebrated our two year anniversary. So it's a blessing, but literally, thank you. It's a vehicle, connect with people, build with people. I mean, people from Ben Crump to just, Jesse Jackson was there last week, Lamar comes through, just everybody, anybody that's in town now, I was about to say he was gonna come through tonight, but I was, <laughs> I can't say that. But there, there's a, uh, like, now they have a place that they can go and it feels like, hey, this is the energy, this is the vibe. Well, Chris and Janine, you guys are amazing. Thank you for joining us. Make some noise. Um, can I say something before you close out? I wanna give you guys your flowers and give you guys your roses and say thank you for you guys, right? Shout out to Raven and Tony for putting this together, first of all. It's having a vision to be like, hey, I need to connect people. We need to talk about wealth in our community in a real way. And, you know, we, it's so funny. We met last week at Essence where people were just sharing wealth, man. It was just so great. But what you guys are doing, uh, our communities haven't had access to for a long time, right? 
like that exposure that we were talking about, when people know that you can do something or see that someone can do something, they, like, they, they, it just becomes a lot brighter. What you guys are providing is that, that ambitious dream, right? But what you guys are providing is, that, is, that, is the lens for that exposure, right? You're sitting down with people who they never had access to teaching policies and, and business ideas and concepts that they would have never been able to go to. One, they're not teaching them in public uh, our school systems. They're actually not teaching some of this stuff in college because a lot of this stuff is real work, real on-the-job experience that helps you navigate these things. And you guys are bringing this to people's TV screen right now or computer screens or telephones. And that is remarkable, man. You're, I don't think that you under, I hope that you understand the level of impact that you're having in our communities. And that impact you might not see today, but somebody who might have thought that something was impossible, they now have faith and have optimism because of that. So continue to, do, and then fast pass, and you're just continue to take it to another level. Continue to do the great work that you're doing, man. Our communities need it, honestly. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make some noise for this wonderful couple right here, man. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.